Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn with me in them to the book of Mark chapter 10. And this uh, Mark chapter 10 begins a series of paradoxes. And it's kind of interesting. Now, a paradox isn't two doctors walking down the street. A paradox is, is something that seems like it doesn't make sense, but it does. The first one we find here, the two, two shall become one flesh. Then the next one that we find, we find adults becoming children. Then the next one we find, we'll find the rich becoming poor. And the last one we find, the last will become first. And so as we look at this this morning, let's let the Lord bless it to our hearts. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We ask you that you would just bless these words to our heart. God, that you would cause us to understand better and more fully what love is, what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then he arose from there and came to the region of Galilee by the other side of the Jordan. And the people gathered to him again as was a custom, and he taught them again. So Jesus' heart was to always teach the people truths concerning the kingdom of God. In other words, there are things in God's word that will help you live your life better for the kingdom of heaven, that will be better for you, better for your family, better for your home. All these things are part of what God has for us. So he goes on and he says, the Pharisees then came and asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? Now, again, as Jesus would teach the people, the Pharisees, of course, were always convicted by what Jesus said. Though the Pharisees had the Bible, they, you might say they had the Old Testament scriptures, still their hearts were not touched by love. And because their hearts were not touched by love, they were always trying to entrap Jesus in something that he was saying, something that he would do. And this is why, again, they were always trying to find something wrong with his message because then they could dismiss him as well. Well, here it tells us, they ask him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? And Jesus answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? Now here he refers them back to Deuteronomy chapter 24. What did Moses say about this particular issue? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and dismiss her. Now this we find uh, mentioned in several different places uh, in Deuteronomy around chapter you know, 20, 22, all around that area. We find a lot that, that uh, Moses had to say concerning uh, divorce and remarriage. Now this is probably something, friends, that in one way or another has affected probably every person uh, in this room, either directly or indirectly. Perhaps you were a child of a, of a broken home or whatever. And so I don't, I don't think there's any mystery of, of, the, of the damage that is done uh, in a divorce, whether it is to you personally or whether your spouse left you or you left your spouse. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that can be understood here. And I think this is what Jesus is, is saying. The Pharisees tempting Jesus to find out if he would go along uh, with what Moses had to say or was he going to say something else? 
And so Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this command or this precept, you might say. So it was because of hardness of heart that God allowed, or you might say Moses allowed people to get a divorce. Now, uh, we understand that it takes two to make a marriage. It only takes one to make a divorce. And uh, understanding that also, we live in a world today that is is uh, uh, actually filled with quite a bit of divorce. And and I believe, friends, it, it, it comes from a, a, a long line and a breakdown of issues within interpersonal relationships and within the home. I think we've all seen that. Uh, uh, you, you talk to sometimes uh, children from uh, homes where mom and dad are married. They've, they've always had a, a relationship with each other. They think they're going to go out and marry somebody just like their mom. Or they're going to go out and marry somebody like their dad. That was responsible, that loved them, that took care of them, that wouldn't abuse them or some other thing. But we find that a lot of times when children come from broken homes, for instance, and if you've come from a broken home, you know that this is the case. That you have a perception of what a relationship is. And because the fragmented American home, as an example, uh, is left up to definition by Hollywood and television and Bart Simpson and everybody else that's out there, all of a sudden we have a very skewed view of what a normal family is today. Now, a lot of times we, we look back in what we would say concerning marriage and divorce, and certainly Jesus has these words for us here, to protect your hearts so that you would not find yourself having your heart ripped apart. You know, this morning is communion. And one of the things I believe that we need in God's grace and in His love is healing. And we all know that the cup is for uh, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus shed His blood for us, and the cup represents that. But a lot of people don't know what the bread is for. And Peter tells us, by his stripes, we are healed. And Jesus' broken body is so we could all be healed. And friends, sometimes we always picture somebody with maybe cancer or maybe uh, some kind of a, uh, of a disease that needs a healing. Friends, I am convinced that we all need a healing from God. We might need healings in our memories. We might need healings in our emotions. We might need healings concerning past relationships. But friends, God's healing is for us here today. And so that's why we look forward to celebrating communion. Now, it's not limited, by the way, to once a month. And if a church perhaps has it every Sunday, that's not wrong. As long as it never becomes a ritual that becomes meaningless. But Paul tells us, he says in, in Corinthians 11, he says, For this reason, many are sick and dead among you, because they fail to realize the purpose of what communion is. That they drank of it and had it in an unworthy fashion. Not that the people were unworthy. Friends, we would always be unworthy to have communion. But what he's saying there, when you unworthily don't recognize what communion is about, you're not going to be healed. And and I want to be healed. I want my memories. I want my feelings. I want my emotions to be touched by God. And so when we have communion, friends, not only does it show you the great value that you are to God, that somebody died for you, but that his body was broken for you so you could be healed. And friends, we all have memories. We all, you know, uh, we we all have have past and and heartache in our life. And, And so to remember that God knows those things, even when he chose you and called you into his kingdom, God knew those things. Now, he he references the Pharisees back to what did Moses say. And, the Mo- and, and they said, well, Moses said a person could get a divorce with, because of a writing. And Jesus said, well, this was because of the hardness of people's hearts. 
I think a lot of the problems, again, uh, emanate from even being raised and things like that. Now you say, well, Mike, I was raised in a terrible home. Does that mean I'm doomed? No, not at all. But what it does mean is you're going to have to dig into God's word and you're going to have to hold on with both hands because honey, you are programmed wrong. uh, Here's the reason why. When mom and dad, dad left, that put mom as the head of the household. Mom had to make the same decisions that dad would have been making. So now this child no longer has a reference point in her life to look at what a a loving father is like because dad left. Or maybe she never even knew her dad because her dad just lit out on her. So she really doesn't know what she's looking for. So in order for her to find what a loving, good husband would be, she has to look then to Hollywood or some influence in her life. If you don't have Christ in your life, you don't have a church body in your life, She has to look somewhere to find out what makes a good man. Well, if you follow The Real Orange County or some other goofy show that tells you what a good guy is because of the way they look and their nice square jaw, listen, you're going to get ripped off in your relationship. We we look around today and we see so many fragmented relationships and friends. People go into a relationship, they go into a marriage, unfortunately, with the idea that this person is going to be like my mom or like my dad, or maybe in some cases, I'm so thankful they're not like my mom or not like my dad. And they go into this. Now, the the courtship thing is kind of interesting because, friends, courtship is not, let's deceive each other to the max until we get married and then the real us will come out. Somebody said one time, when you get married, you've married, there's six people living in your home. Even though there's only two, there's six. Now, this is not counting kids. There's the person you really are. There's there's the person that he really is. There's the person that you think you are. There's the person that he thinks he is. And then there's the person who you really are and the person she really is. So we have all these different personalities that are there. And, and, and the problem is, friends, when, when we are in the dating thing, and, and, and if you've been through the dating thing, you realize that, that uh, it isn't a time of complete deception. It's a time of complete revelation is what it should be. In other words, here's all the cards that are on the table, all the good as well as the bad, the past, the, the bones in the closet, everything is there. And then you make your decision whether you want to marry this person or not. The problem is oftentimes many things are hidden from that person that's a potential spouse. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's deliberate because they knew if they really told you the truth about them, you would not marry them. And so we become, uh, dating can become a charade where, again, we put our best foot forward, but soon as we become married, then the guard goes down and who we really are is then revealed. Friends, this is the, the Bible talks about this. This is one of the things that Moses spoke of back in Deuteronomy. Again, about going into a relationship with deceit or fraud is involved. And, and so that's an important thing. And there are people that I know that have gotten married that, that had fraud genuinely in their relationship that they did not, uh, they were not uh, disclosed certain things about the person. One that I found about one time, I was visiting with a couple, and uh, he had kids in other states and never even told the girl that he was dating or married. Now, I, I think that's pretty bad. 
I, I think one, once again, if you're single, you need to be as transparent as you can be. And, and, and if that person who you're marrying still wants to marry you, then praise God. And if they don't, they wouldn't want to marry you anyway. And you'd be best to get, get that on the table so, so that gets down the line. Unfortunately, in the society, see, we live in a world that has its value system in completely the wrong places. You don't have to watch television for more than 15 minutes. Somebody one time talked about, well, you know, I got into porn on the, on the, on, on the computer. Well, you can watch the nightly news and get into that. You can't hardly buy a tube of toothpaste anymore without somebody taking the clothes off. Do you think that doesn't affect the way we all view one another in life? It does. Friends, I I believe this is why the Bible says that uh, before Jesus Christ comes, uh, there's going to be such a breakdown in the moral fabric of the world. That this is what we see in magnitude proportions. Now, we, we of course oftentimes focus upon the earthquakes and the hurricanes and the tsunamis. But something that's far more devastating than any of those things emotionally and physically to people is what we're seeing in the breakdown of family unit and the family home. Not only just in America, but it's around the world. This is a problem. And again, because a society, when it forgets its purpose of being, will rapidly unwind. And this is what I believe we're seeing. And so you scratch your head and you go, well, I didn't know the person was like this. You you know, you look at some of these people sometimes and you hear on the news that this person had a $5,000 a month or $10,000 a month cocaine or heroin addict habit. And you go, wow, I, I don't understand that. It's because we have a society that is has forgotten God. And, and, and so people's affections then go from what is God and onto other things. And the direct result of that is misplaced emotion. In other words, they, they love their things more than they love their children. They love their things more than they love their wife or their husband. And, and, and we see this. And, and so again, if, if, you, if you come across this in your life or you start seeing these things... If you see misplaced emotion, friends, or misplaced love, I believe this is a good indication where God is is saying, hey, listen, I love you so much, I don't want you to get ripped off in this world. Because, friends, it is real. And all it takes, again, in in a society that has forgotten God is a, a little push. And the devil doesn't have to push sometimes very hard on any of us, does he? So, he says... Because of the hardness of your heart, he allowed you this command or this precept. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man was to leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not a man separate. This is kind of what we do with the unity candle. And that was the whole idea. I got to tell everybody, I did it. I shouldn't tell this. A lot of people don't like to tell about the dumb things they do, but I did one yesterday. <laughs> Lovely couple in our church, parents go to church here, and they've gone here, they're probably here somewhere. But uh, anyway, I've done probably a couple hundred weddings, and um, they're standing there, and they're all beautiful and everything. And so far, everything in the wedding has went went well. And I, and I said, uh, do you have a ring? He goes, yes. And I said, well, if you put that on her finger and repeat after me. And so he did. And I said, with this wing, I thee red. 
went, oh, no. And I tried, you know how you try to just kind of let it go, you know? Maybe nobody heard it, duh. But, and she starts giggling. And then I lost it. So it was, you never know what you're going to miss out on a wedding, yes. And, and, and you have, you know, all kinds of different things. But, you know, the, the, we, we start off with great intentions and we, weddings and marriage and everything. And, and, and uh, again, I believe if we can just be honest with each other. There are situations sometimes you'll see in relationships where, where people will get married. And, and again, they, didn't, they weren't honest with what they, what they were all about. Um, and that, that goes into a lot of very sensitive issues. There's the, the disease issues. There's the children in other states issues. There's the divorce issues. There, there's the no children issues. They don't want kids. Or how do you want to raise kids? You know, instead of trying to find out uh, what, uh, what the, the most um, fashionable clo- you know, shirt to wear, maybe you ought to ask the person, if we had kids, how would you want to raise them? You know, well, uh, and, and kids are, you know, I mean, they're a blessing. And, and they're also space invaders uh, all at the same time. I heard it said one time, it's like uh, somebody drove up and dropped off a bunch of drunk midgets at your house, you know, and they, they can't learn rules, you know, close the door when you leave and, you know, but, but we, we, we see those kinds of things and, 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 and we all understand that, that there's issues that we need to be talking about rather than sometimes the superficial things that we base relationships upon. And so Jesus is saying from the beginning, the original, Adam and Eve, the two shall become one flesh. That's the, the heart, the intent of God is that the two would become one. That's the purpose, that you would have the same heart, the same focus. Again, the unity candle, the two candles standing both sides. You light the candle in the middle, signifying you're going to become one. That's the idea. And then you blow out your own candle. Now, I actually did a wedding in California. And um, uh, the wedding coordinator, I don't know where she came from, but she said, um, they're going to light the unity candle, but they're going to leave their two candles lit as well. That way they retain their individuality in the relationship. If the two becoming one doesn't happen, friends, you will go two different directions. And that's just the way it is. And so uh, somebody said, well, I read that in the Bible out of Ephesians chapter 5 where the wife has to submit to her husband. Well, honey, all I can tell you, if you can't do that, don't marry him. Because if you can't surrender your will to that man, then you t- that's telling me you don't trust him. And the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. So if you can't do that, you say, wow, there's something wrong here. And do you, did you ever think maybe God is telling you there's a problem with this guy? And at the same time, the Bible says for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Guys, if you can't do that, then maybe best... You don't marry that person. It's okay not to get married. Because once you get married and kids come along, and then you start having these issues that were never dealt with. I heard it said one time that there's not a single problem that's evident in a divorce that wasn't there in the courtship. I've talked to people like that. She said, Mike, I'm leaving my husband. Why? Well, he's a raging drunk. And I said, well, did he drink when you were dating? Well, yeah. Why'd you marry him? Well, I didn't think it'd be a problem. That's true. 
Most of us don't. We don't realize that, see, none of our lives, friends, are static. Does that, you know what that means? That's not on the radio. None of our lives remain the same. They don't. We all are moving in a direction. Every day you get up, you're moving in a direction. Now, we move in a direction towards our job or to the bathroom or wherever we're headed. Coffee, got to have coffee. (laughs) But we move, you might say, in our lives in a direction. And without the control of the Holy Spirit in a person's life, friends, we will implode. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time.